Hello and welcome to the uplevelmind.com podcast. My name is Drasco and I'm your host for this Real Talk segment where each episode I bring on a heart-centered entrepreneur and live on the call coached him through one central question. Are my business problems actually me problems? In that, I help them uncover why despite knowing all of the business strategies and having done all of the business courses, they are unable to get past their current revenue plateau. Each guest leaves with a deeper understanding of what inner narratives and patterns they need to overcome to realize their next revenue milestone. Without further ado, here's today's guest. Today's guest is Brianna McCallum, who's a Reiki master, empowerment coach, medium, uh, definitely in terms of dream interpretation and card reading. Uh, she's also an organic loose leaf tea blender and private chef. In addition to that, as a mom entrepreneur and investor with plenty of hobbies, she stays busy with her daughter, pursuing her passions and helping to make the world a better place, one positive impact at a time. So Brianna, thank you very much for coming on. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. I'm glad to hear. So even just reading the bio, it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you cover a broad spectrum of things that you are both interested in and good at and expert in. So I'd love for you to just share and give us some context on like, how did you get to doing what you're doing? Yeah, let me figure out how to do the condensed version of that, because most people look at it and they go, how the heck do those even go together? Um, and they do, I promise. Um, but it was a slow build. So I have a culinary arts degree. I have a bachelor's in culinary arts. So I worked in restaurants and as a private chef for a long time um, and then decided to do the stay at home mom thing. I was married to a farmer and we started our own businesses, which is what got me into the tea blending uh, to support what he was doing there. And then along the way, I had different clients. It's basically been client run. I've had friends first that expressed interest in what I was doing with holistic health. So I started blending teas and then I was doing health and wellness coaching, just teaching people how to take control of their body, of their illness, whatever, whether it be mental, physical, spiritual, and help guide them through it. And I started noticing this trifecta, which I threes and sixes, those are numbers that come up for me a lot. So I have a sustainability trifecta that I do in my coaching model, which is mind, body, and spirit. And I noticed it as I was doing my work is that I was working with a physical for a long time with the teas, right? And then people started asking more about like the mental health. So I was dealing with a lot of moms, you know, being a mom myself. So there was lots of postpartum depression and then relationship issues going on as well, because it's hard to be a parent and to manage relationship dynamics. So I started getting into that and I've worked in the mental health field for a long time myself as well. My last uh, paid job, I was a sous chef and a life skills crew leader at a mental health facility in North Carolina. So I worked with residents to teach them how to function in a job setting with their mental illness. Um, and then I'm a very spiritual person as well. So that's another thing that came in the mix is a lot of women and partners were just, you know, like kind of losing my spiritual path in this journey of parenthood and trying to figure out how to balance all these things. Um, and being a medium and doing the card readings and dream interpretations, I just naturally started doing that for people for free. I'm one of those people. I want to give everything away for free. Um, it's not really helpful in a business setting though. <laughs> it so, makes the business part a bit hard. Yeah. That, that, it does. Yeah. It does. But in the beginning, that's actually how my business started. So I was doing, um, spiritual work for other people. One of the first big clients that I got 
in that, and again, this was just free work. He said, you know what, you've done a lot for me. I know that you don't accept payment, but you know, I see that you sell these teas. Let me build you a website because you've been mentoring me for about a year. So he built me a whole website and that's what started pushing me forward with everything else. Um, a paid subscriber that was doing the teas asked me to do some divination for her and to use my intuition to tell her what she needed each month, which I was like, what? No, no, my logic is in the way. I, I need to know that I'm doing the right thing. And she said, no, just do it. And that became one of my services. And it's a really powerful combination. And then as I continued doing what I've been doing, I realized that I've been coaching people my whole life and just wasn't really aware of it because I have a passion to help other people. And I've got a lot of experience with, with the body, with the mind, with spiritual work for things I've done for myself and now for others. And now I feel comfortable enough with saying, you know what, I've got years under my belt. You know, I have, I've done training courses. I've, I've got, you know, my work life, my personal life, um, my journey as a mother. I feel perfectly comfortable with charging people for it now. And it's just creating sustainable structures because the part of me that's philanthropic and just wants to give it away because I want the world to be a better place. That's my ultimate goal. But I'm getting into a new frame of mind where I recognize that if I can bring in more money, I can do more for free and not be struggling myself. So if the people that can pay me $3,000 for 12 coaching sessions are willing to, well, that leaves me a lot more time to, you know, go out and hit the homeless shelter up the road and sit down and just do some free work for health and wellness, for mental health support, helping them find resources. And I have, I have bigger dreams from there, but I had to, I had to flip a switch that changed the way I was looking at things and shift it to realize that that broader impact that I want to make with this work, um, the key is in changing my pricing structure, changing how I do business and this mind, body and spirit full circle wellness that I have going on. It's been the key to unlock that. Every single person that I've worked with, it works like a dream. One client I had, she did everything. She was in my Reiki course, so she did her own Reiki but I did meditations for her to prescribe her for teas. We were doing health and wellness coaching that then turned into spirituality coaching. And one of the most powerful clients I've had so far, and I've only done two card readings for her, but everything cycles in together and it just flows together beautifully. So I've realized this year that ultimately, you know, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, was leading me to this path. It just seemed really random along the way. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many ways i think we could even just take your your intro with regards to like because one of the things i was picturing as you were talking about that that like um steve jobs quote where he talks about you can only connect the dots uh looking backwards like you never it's never going to make sense forwards so i was like mm -hmm. that definitely popped up and ironically even so i was recording another episode prior to yours and the same idea of like and I've said this before in the podcast was like, like I firmly believe like good people need to make as much money as possible because then that money can be reallocated towards good things. Like that's the only way things are actually going to change. And then here you are essentially reinforcing the exact same thing. of like, yeah, I recognize that if I make more money, then I can take those resources and allocate them to whatever it was, the homeless shelter, whatever, you know, example that you used. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Right. And given that your work is so transformational, it's like, of course, why would you not want to uh, receive to that? So anyway, I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, but anything you want to add to that, uh, by all means do so. Reach away, brother. I'm down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's perfect. And it's funny because I was just having the same conversation with someone last week who's not familiar with investing in big business and just, you know, different 
phase in life. And I said almost the exact same thing that you did there of we have a society that perpetuates, you know, money. Number one, we have to have money. Right. But then a lot of the big players that do have money, a majority of them, unfortunately, are not necessarily doing the best things with them. They're not leaving a legacy that's going to leave a positive impact in the world. And that's a problem. And those of us that are more giving, we tend to fall into that rat race that we're taught that you need to just work and work and everything needs to be affordable, including, you know, your time and energy. And it's not it's not sustainable and it's not healthy. Um, and what we need is exactly what you said, more people that want to do good in the world to have enough money to put all of that into the right resources, into the right people to keep creating a positive change. So this downhill slide we've been seeing, especially during the pandemic holy crap, did that uncover things of how bad it really is. And we all just have tunnel vision. We have blinders on and we're ignoring it. That's got to change. And the only way that it's going to change is if the right people step up and do something about it. So fastest way to do that, especially in our society is, is money. <laughs> I mean, you start throwing money around and it works. And if you're doing it for the right reasons, it's going to perpetuate itself. I tell clients all the time, you know, when they're worried about their children or they're worried about their spouse or whoever's having a hard time in their life. And they're like, I don't know how to help them. Like you can help them by doing better yourself. When people see you heal and when your vibrational energy is rising and rising and rising, it's going to naturally touch the people around you and you don't have to do anything. So. Beautiful. 110%. Uh, I'm in agreement with all of that. So I think it's actually a good segue then because like everything you brought up that there's obviously an air, like you, you support other people, you're there to help other people. So kind of broad strokes, like how can I support you today? Mm, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you came to the right place for right? big questions. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess on that exact same topic is, is helping, helping me push through the mindset, the self-limiting beliefs, the mindset that's stopping me from doing exactly what I need to do to to ultimately succeed. There's this awful conundrum going on in my head that I've, I've been trying to twist around and manipulate and figure out how the puzzle fits together of both a fear of failure and a fear of success. Because I know when I go forward and I start doing what I'm doing, it's going to be wildly successful. It already is successful. But if I start doing it on a broader scale, it's going to keep going. And so there's like these fears of, you know, what if I can't keep up with it? Or what if I fail? Because the higher up you get, that fall is a lot farther down. It hurts a lot more. Um, so some of that definitely gets in the way. And then I get into analysis paralysis. So, okay, well, let me prepare and make sure that I'm ready for it. And I just, that's where I, I get stuck. And then, you know, the financial aspect of it as well is just making sure that the right money is coming in to be allocated to the right places. But ultimately, if I'm doing the things that are going to create the goods and services that people need for me to succeed and them to succeed, it's going to, it's going to start steamrolling on its own. But I feel like I'm, I'm trapped in that cycle, a little bit of a whirlwind right now. Right. Well, I mean, I know you intellectually understand that, but I think the, the, the bigger issue is you don't emotionally really believe it. There's a yeah. part of you that doesn't emotionally believe it. Okay. Got it. So since you brought up the, the fear of failure versus fear of success, which one's actually scarier to you, success or failure? Oh, <laughs> that's the weird part. One's not dominant. I would I would think that the fear of failure would be scarier, but the way I look at it is failure is an opportunity to grow. So Pima Chodron has this book that's, uh, I can't remember the exact title, but it's something along the lines of, uh, it's like, fail more and fail better. So 
as you fail, you're learning along the way and then you can fail better because instead of doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to keep growing and growing and growing and growing. So. Perfect. So intellectually you have a good model for working with mistakes and failure yet practically (laughs) that doesn't translate into actually the embodied experience of that. Yeah. I don't actually live that way for the majority of the times. Okay. So then is it true that fear of success is equal to you as the fear of failure if you actually have a hard time failing forward? You could be onto something there. Okay. So what what what's what's the something that's resonating for you internally? Um, I think it's translating a little bit differently for me. So let me know if it's not hitting the way you intended it to, but um, I'm not allowing myself to succeed or fail. I'm holding myself in uh, in limbo, so to speak, because you can't have failure without the attempted success first. So, and it's a, it's become a very slow growing process and it's building on itself in a positive way, but um. Yeah, I'm I'm stopping myself from doing either. I'm I'm not going to fail hard and learn from it if I don't even push forward to succeed and allow myself to fail at that, so that I can continue growing. Right. So then it's kind of like that. The, there's a comfort in enduring. Yeah, that's definitely accurate because I know that I have a, a scarcity mindset, which there's no need for me to be in. I've been chipping away at that hard the last two weeks. I've set myself up so I'm not in scarcity, and that comes from you know, childhood trauma and just different situations in my life that I know that's all internal stuff. I've got to get it out of my body. Cause like you've pointed out a few times intellectually, I've got it down, but when it comes to feeling it and embodying it in a different way, that's, that's where I stumble. Um, so it's very easy for me to coach other people and to help them through it because I know everything that needs to happen. Um, but moving forward, I keep, I keep getting stuck. I'll move forward a good bit and then I'll just stop and I'll, I'll stay for a while. And then move forward a little bit more and then stop. Got it. And then that's the loop that, I mean, I know you used it before we're recording, but like the the, the tire truck that's, or the, the tire that's stuck in, in the mud and they're just like circling, mm-hmm. circling, circling. Okay. And that's historically what you are comfortable or familiar with enduring, correct? Yeah, essentially. And that's what I identified uh, last week. I was just talking to my best friend this weekend on a vacation over the weekend about this exact thing that we're talking about is um, the success and failure and being so stuck and just working so hard without the payoff that it's like I'm putting myself in that same situation over and over again, which in the mental health field, you see that constantly when people have gone through traumatic experiences or abuse, especially like they'll put themselves in that same scenario because it's comfortable, it's familiar, and it's not something that they're doing intentionally. It's just, oh, okay, I know this, so I'm going to keep doing it. It must be the right thing to do. But you have to be able to wipe that slate clean and create new patterns and new habits and move forward differently. So I know I'm doing it, but it's really slow. And I feel like I could be moving a lot faster now than I am. Perfect. So, I mean, again, I'm mean, I trying not to repeat the, the, the same point for, right? But it's like, if I just listen to you intellectually, I'm like, okay, this is beautifully articulated. Everything makes sense. You know exactly what you need to do move forward. So given that, what are the feelings, like without the intellectualizing, what are the, the, the feelings of 
it's safer to endure versus propel forward. Feelings. Let's see. Okay, I think this is probably a moment where I need to get out of the intellectual and, and pop into that that feeling space. Um, so 100%. there's a lot of fear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of fear. Um, and the, the failure um, is not even a part of it. When I jump into the feeling part of it, this fear of success, and I might get a little bit emotional about this because there's a lot of emotion attached to it, is okay. um, not I might, I will, I already am. Um, when it comes to success. So <clears throat> my father, um, Ed McCallum, he had his own consultation, business consultation firm, and he worked overseas for a company for a while and then started his own business. And he was wildly successful, brilliant man, um, very compassionate, big heart, you know, always looking to help other people. But he wasn't a part of our life when we were younger because he was building an empire and leaving a legacy, which is great. And, um, you know, I finally got to spend more time with him when I was in my teens. And then, um, you know, he got to walk me down the aisle for my wedding, but he had just recovered from brain cancer. And then we'll see, we got married in May, June, July, August, September. So in September, four months later, he died from a hemorrhage on the, the brain site, the surgery site. And my ex-husband and I, we spent almost a month in hospice with him, just kind of watching this big, strong, brilliant man waste away so that aspect of success and knowing that it takes time and energy and work there is that fear which is trauma-based i know this of okay i have a child i have a daughter myself i'm not going to sacrifice my time and energy with her because i i know i know the potential consequences of that you know if you're not careful it's easy to slide into looking to the future to prepare for your child prepare for yourself and then suddenly all this time has passed and you've lost years with them, the most formative years. And then being, you know, when I was a child with him not being a part of my life, a lot of abuse happened when I was a kid and he was completely unaware of it until I was older. So I've got all those, those trauma centers that are, that are spinning as well. So in the feeling part, that's definitely a part of the success. Um, but then again, logically with that awareness, I should be able to move forward differently and not perpetuate that same cycle. Well, so number one, I just want to acknowledge you for, you know, allowing yourself to be witnessed in all of that, because that's, you know, some very real, very heavy things that obviously are, are a big contributor to this. So, you know, number one, just take, or at least the invitation is there to like just take the space to accept and, and receive that, like, that that's a big thing to be witnessed in, especially given the nature of it. Um, number two points to a big contributing, like I said, factor to all of this. So both the intellectual mind and to like your kind of emotional subconscious mind, you know, I do just want to stress like all of you is welcome here. Like you're in good company. If you, you know, tears do come up, you're welcome to shed any of it. And kind of for your internal sense of security, I'm only ever going to go as far or as deep as you're willing to go. So at any point you have the veto card to, you know, where we're just going to like eject out of this. Okay. So that's always in your back pocket. Um, basically long story short, whatever wants to come up, allow it. Um, and I'll only go as far as that. So all of that being said, there's a lot of like threat associated with success right? Like success means loss of very formative time. 
it means very real PTSD and abuse that happen as a result of chasing success in your instance indirectly, right? So again, going back to kind of the original question that that spurred all of this, like which one do you fear more success or failure? It seems to me like you avoid the failure because you know it'll lead to success, but what you really fear subconsciously is the price that success actually requires. So just before we go on, does that resonate or not? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Okay, perfect. And the way we got here was basically me asking you, okay, so if you looked at all of this, you know, not head up or like neck up, but neck down, your brain went into this, again, beautiful understanding and awareness of all of the things, but it actually skirted the original question, which is how do you feel? We went into a little bit, it's like, well, there's fear there. And then we went into this, like, you know, very vulnerable, beautifully articulated story, which had nothing to do with your feelings. Yeah. So um, what's coming up for you there? That's a defense mechanism for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's relevant. Um, okay. Ask the question again. So when it comes to success, what's the primary feeling that comes up first? Fear. That was my original answer. Perfect. Then I okay. So what are you fearing specifically? Like, what is the fear saying? The same cycle that happened to me will happen to my daughter. Okay. So what's, because when you're fearful, you don't generally shed tears and I see tears coming up. So what's the feeling there? Um, well, sadness, obviously. From everything that happened to uh, me as a child and losing my dad and then my marriage. It's a lot. So lots yeah. of sadness. In it, yeah. Okay. yeah, fear, um, fear and anger are always just the hidden, the hiders. That's what I call them. They're like the shelter. Those are the shields that hide all the other emotions underneath. So vulnerability, um, I, I do, it's a disclaimer. I will move forward with it because I think there's a lot of power and vulnerability and other people being able to see it. That's also terrifying for me because when I was a child, if I was in a vulnerable state, it was dangerous for me. It usually meant abuse was on the way. So um, you called me out on that. So thanks for that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're very welcome. But I also, again, just want to take a moment and acknowledge you for like the bravery it does take to be witnessed in this vulnerable state. And then, you know, obviously it's the first time we've met. So for you to allow yourself the courage to like, okay, well, let's step into that. Uh, like it, it's not a small thing. So I, I just, again, want to reiterate the safety of this container and to allow yourself to ground in the security of the connection. So what happens internally to you as, as I reflect that back? um it's comforting it offers a little bit of peace i know that's something that i'm i'm learning moving forward the intellectual part knows that all that's from the past but that i i am and have put myself into a place where peace is always protected and i am always protected and, and my daughter's protected but i'm in a different situation now with her where i'm i'm not able to protect her as much as I used to be able to. So 
it drives that same fear and that sadness, all the things they're all connected. That's why I put that story in. Cause I know it's a dominant driver in a lot of this. Yeah. 100%, right? Like you, your protectors are the fear that is going to happen again. So then the anger is the direct like defense to it, but it really all harbors massive sadness and also massive vulnerability that like, I never want to go back and repeat the same things again. So yeah. when you zoom out from all of that, do you really have, you know, imposter syndrome, scarcity mindset, or self-sabotage, or do you just have really active defenses to never go back to these past moments through building your business? I guess those are the the manifestations of that. It's the other shields. Correct. And going back to your defense mechanisms, right? Because you do talk so well, you do articulate so well. And what a beautiful way to keep articulating and thinking about imposter syndrome and all the ways that it could potentially be manifesting. And, well, maybe I should work on this, like money mindset stuff. The whole time you are correct about all of those and you're probably making progress in them, but they're never actually the root issue. The root mm-hmm. issue is fundamentally the little girl that went through the trauma that she did associates that trauma will repeat if I have success in business. Yeah, I'm pruning the weeds instead of pulling them out of the ground by the roots. Correct. Correct. So do you really think your business is going to be solved if you keep focusing on the top layer of the weeds? Not. <laughs> I'm going to keep spinning wheels. Yeah. Hey, you're good at this. <laughs> I've done it once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So given all of that, what do you actually want? From the business perspective in general, overall, they're all tied What, what lands for you with that question? Um, well, I realized as I was starting to reflect back that it's all relevant. It's all the same. Um, I want to, I want to leave a legacy that contributes to the world being a better place for my daughter, um, for her to grow up in a place that, there's a lot more hope. Um, I want her to see kindness. I don't want her to have this. I want her to associate success with with beauty and with purity and with something that, you know, is a powerful tool that we can use in beautiful ways to build, um, which is ultimately what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Watch my wording, which is ultimately what I am doing with my business. Um, and that's that's just I want to leave behind a legacy. I knew that the uh, right after my dad died, I gave a few uh, speeches at my brother and I accepted some awards for him with some big organizations. And that was one of the things I realized in giving the speeches um, is that that's that's what he was doing. And he missed a few awareness pieces. And that's OK, because he was doing the best that he knew how. But I don't want to miss those. So I want to leave the world a better place. But I want to do I want to do better with the here and now and with the people in my life along the way. I don't want any of it to be an afterthought. And do you think all of that's possible if you hold yourself back in business? No. (laughs) Okay, good. So just checking, right? I know it seems like an obvious question, but it was just (laughs) more to see to what degree 
yeah. are these parts really ready to like be healed and, and to dive into that? So here's my suggestion for um, right now. Like I don't normally go into, I don't, I told you this prior to recording, like, uh, you know, working with these parts directly or like moving into healing them. But honestly, and as you've shared before, even like, again, off air, like the awareness pieces are pretty clear for you. Like, you you know exactly where all the connections are. Maybe there was a bit of clarity with regards to like, okay, am I, is it a defense to keep looking at the external labels versus the one core issue, which is, you know, the trauma of business really for me. So maybe that landed a bit differently. Um, how do you feel if we dive into that directly and kind of see where that leads to? do it see what happens okay perfect um how do you feel about like keeping your eyes open or closed is that okay with you either way is fine okay yep. perfect so i'm just gonna invite you to just close your eyes um and keep them close to the degree that you are okay with um and i'll just have you take a few deep breaths um with regards to this so nice deep inhale and then nice deep and really long exhale. Like I really want you to reinforce the safety of the exhale. And as you are doing this, just start to pay attention to like, where is your breath moving through your body smoothly? Where is it stopping? Where is it kind of moving around things? And take about three to five breaths like this, really landing in your body. And then just, I'll be quiet. Just give me a verbal cue when you're there. Um, and keep your eyes closed. And then we'll take it from there. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. So before we go on, what's present in your body right now? Um, so we're paying attention to where my breath is going as a Reiki practitioner. I'm going to describe it a little bit physical, a little bit with chakras because I feel the alignment. Um, <clears throat> everything moves I can feel it move through my head and catch in my throat mm -hmm. um, and then fills my chest and stops at my diaphragm, um, which from a chakra perspective, I know I don't speak out as much as I should. That's the, the, the fear and anxiety around speaking my truths. Um, I'm very heart centered, so I know why it flows there, but feeling, feeling those emotions and grounding into leaning into the painful parts. Um, that's where, that's where things are stopping. Beautiful. So one of the things I am going to ask of you or request of you is to speak in very short sentences. Oh, and no. yeah, so the reason is, again, as we've mentioned before, one of your main defense mechanisms, intellectualizing everything. And I know okay. you know all the things. I know everything you described is accurate, checks all the boxes and I want you to stay as much as you can in your body, keep things very simple and focus on the feelings as much as possible. So are, are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay. Accepted. Okay. Thank you. So right now between the throat and the solar plexus, which one seems more relevant in this moment right now to dive into? Um, 
Lower plexus. Okay, perfect. So when you dive into that, what's present there? It feels caught and stuck. Yeah, caught and stuck. Okay, so very good awareness. What is caught and stuck? Uh, the expansion, my breath feels like it's stopping there. Okay. So expansion of breath feels caught and stuck. Anything else? Heat. There's heat there too. Okay. Anything else? Uh, it's gravelly, that makes sense. Feels rocky. Sorry, you said gravity? Gravelly. Gravelly. It's like like the difference between uh running your hand over different textures, right? sand ah. or, or tile gravel it's rough rocky gravelly Laura. okay got it got it perfect anything else pressure that's it pressure okay awesome so if you tune into that stuck caught area in your solar plexus right that's pressing against that expansion of breath that has that rough texture. If that part could talk, what might it say? In less words. Yeah. It could say anything. So I'm, af I'm afraid to expand. I'm afraid to move forward. Okay. Anything else? The pain. The word pain keeps coming up. Okay. That's all the things we've already talked about. Okay. That's okay. So what pain is it feeling? Uh, loss. Grief. Mm -hmm. Anything else? Yeah, anger, fear, they're all kind of muddied in together. Okay. A lot of different things all at once. Okay, beautiful. And how do you feel towards it? That's a good question. Um... I mean, the healer in me wants to work with it and help it heal. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there's also some confusion, too. Okay. So there's and layers of it. Yeah, um, I try not to intellectualize it, but I can I can feel I can feel the, the inner child part, like the, the anger um, and the pain, like on a physical level, like wanting to be protected and not being protected and then the pain and grief and loss that's just the things that i've already shared and um everything that's manifested to this point where i'm at and in, in my life um, just moving moving forward with it it's 
it all feels stuck. It all feels tangled in together. It's it's a little confusing to to pull apart the different layers because I, I want to understand it up here so that I can feel it in its depth and move through it quickly and it not be lingering. Beautiful. And that's where they're all kind of bent on top of each other and, and caught up, et cetera, and stuck. Okay. And that's what's keeping the expansion being from going forward. Okay. Perfect. So what would need to happen for all of this to get untangled? A lot of different things. Can I intellectualize now? Well, I would prefer if you ask the part directly. Like if you tune into your solar plexus directly and speak it, speak to it as if it was like sitting in front of you. Like what what do you need to get untangled? And if that doesn't land, you can even ask it, like, do you even want to be untangled? I'm just going to hit myself with some Reiki real fast because I can give you more direct answers. I can't sure. be in my head to do that. Yeah. Uh, the words that come up are release. Calm, hold, safety, mm -hmm. forward, like progress, type of forward, forward momentum. Yeah. So releasing safety, forward progress, that would have to happen for these parts to be untangled. Is that accurate or something else? Yeah. Um, dive, deep, deep dive comes up okay diving into it so deep dive into what um explain it um it's deep diving into the emotions I, i'm trying not to intellectualize it it's harder to do it's okay diving into everything that's happened so um putting myself in trauma space again trauma regression therapy essentially mm-hmm on those places to the extent that I can't not feel them. I can't intellectualize them, putting myself in so that the emotions can be fully released so I can move forward. Okay. So basically it's asking you to not think about these things, but to go back and not necessarily relive them because if that's not necessary, we don't necessarily need to do that, but to witness them from a feeling space, to witness them from a healing space to witness them from like i'm here with you to feel you and give you what you didn't have at some point is that accurate witness them from the place of peace and safety okay so when you as like the present you hears that what lands for you makes me sad Hmm? So that makes me sad. Okay. And what, what makes you sad about that? Oh, it's a lot of things. <laughs> my heart and my mind both go a lot of directions when I think about that. Um, it makes me sad for my myself. As a mother, having a child who's also struggling herself, you know, going through a divorce um, makes me sad. 
as a mother from the perspective of what my mom may have gone through and watching me go through my journey it makes me sad my inner child version makes me sad to know that I lost my childhood um sad to acknowledge all the grief that's still trying to work its way out mm -hmm. um it's frustrating too because I've gone through so much healing and done so much work to know that there's still so much that's sitting there suppressed and one are you sorry. able to sorry go ahead yeah one more piece of sure the sad of holding myself back from my potential too okay it's a lot of sadness about a lot of different aspects okay so there's one in particular that I just want to invite you to look at potentially a different way which is that frustration that I've done so much healing already and I feel sad now that there's all this well of emotion that still needs, you know, my attention. And I'm inviting you to consider that maybe everything you did up until this point allowed you to get to this, you know, present moment here where you actually have not direct access, but you're on the fringe of everything that wants to be healed. It, it's clear. It's brought you to this point. So is there any value to actually celebrating and honoring all the work you have done to bring you to this realization today? There's always value in that. Yeah. Okay. So can you pour into yourself that? Grace. Yes. Grace in the space to really accept like, hey, I've done a lot of work to get here. And that's not to be discounted just because it seems like there's a lot of work to do going forward. Sorry, I didn't acknowledge you. I'm doing that. No, no, I'm giving you the space to do that. So it's all good. So what's coming up for you when you give yourself grace? Peaceful. Okay. Would it be helpful for you to give yourself more grace going forward? I have three people in my life that tell me on a regular basis that I need to give myself more grace. Yeah. I give so, other people a lot more than myself. Absolutely. And that was one of the reasons why I asked you, how do you feel towards this part that's stuck and caught up, right? And it wasn't really that clear until right now that there's potentially another part, maybe not you, that's very judgmental and kind of fed up with all of this. Yeah, some of that's conditioning from my childhood abuse. Sure, that absolutely makes sense. I would like so, for that to be my... <laughs> Yeah. And, right, even that sentiment, I want it to go away, right? This is a knowing part of me that actually existed here when I was going through very traumatic times that probably in some ways helped me get through them, mm -hmm. right? It's another pushing away 
of something that might actually have good intentions for you, but it's just not showing up in a way that's productive for who you are right now and for what you need right now. So can you give that part some grace as well? Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you a moment to do that and just give me a verbal cue when you're there. Beautiful. So how do you feel now? Stronger. Sorry, I didn't catch that. Stronger. Stronger. Okay, beautiful. So is it a shocker that you can actually be more empowered when you give yourself grace versus when you give yourself judgment? Mm -hmm. Always. Yeah. So just for the sake of time, because... We can't dive into all of these things today. I know you connected to a lot of different pieces today. I know a lot of different things came out. Does this feel complete for you for this moment? Or is there still something left outstanding? No, it's good for this moment. I have work to do. I was aware of that. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. And to be fair, I don't really go into this in this way on like this container. Um, but it just seemed like the appropriate thing to do. So I, uh, I acknowledge you for, you know, volunteering to, to do it and, and to dive into it in this way. So you. you're very welcome. Anything else you wanted to add before we kind of close this? No, that's not at all what I expected this to look like, though. Uh, thank you for allowing that space and opportunity though because that's that's powerful work you're very welcome and no i wasn't expecting this <laughs> to go in this direction either so that makes two of us um okay beautiful well listen floor is yours then to just you know let everybody know where to find you who's the best person to find you um yeah let us all know that okay Transition in business mode. Got it. Um, yeah. yeah, you can find me at lmht. That's lmhtea.org online. Um, you can also find me at lmht on Instagram and Facebook, and you'll be able to find my LinkedIn as well as a direct contact number or email on the website or on any of my social. Beautiful. Well, I mean, we'll include all that in the show notes as always. Uh, but again, just want to close off and uh, thank you for diving into this full force, being witnessed in this way. Um, I know it's a beautiful example of kind of what this work really looks like. Um, so thank you for that. Okay, perfect. And for everybody else listening, as always, uh, we'll see you on the next one.